when you put up someone's picture at the orca meeting and say this person came into macy's the victoria's secret guy will raise his hand and say she has sold you know 60 pair of panties from us yesterday and then the home depot person will say hey that's the car that her boyfriend drove in and took milwaukee tools from us and we build cases at the meetings literally every time literally Welcome to Crime News Insider. This is Jorge Del Portillo, and with me, as always, is the one and only Lori Hoff. How are you doing, Lori? I think there is another Lori Hoff out there I've I seen on the internet, but it's very nice to see you, Jorge. Nice to see you, too. Uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about organized retail theft. We've seen a lot in the news about these smash-and-grab robberies. There was this Best Buy in Minneapolis, a Louis Vuitton store in Chicago, a Nordstrom in Walnut Creek, California, that's just outside of San Francisco. And they were all struck by this organized retail theft. And But even before these high-profile thefts in the news, some cities have been plagued by constant theft. Uh, especially in San Francisco, Walgreens had to close five stores due to rampant and brazen shoplifting. And a Safeway in San Francisco uh, previously was open 24 hours a day, but will now operate from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., Due to the relentless shoplifting, I don't know about you, Lori, but I've been seeing this constantly in the news. Yeah, we've I've, I've seen it all over the place. I think Target was having the same issue as well, and then and then we started hearing about the like the mad rush, the Louis Vuitton store in the Nordstrom, where you have eighty people going in. I don't know if you saw the videos, but it was insane with cars parked, ready to go outside. So, I mean, a, a huge, huge organization really that went into these multiple stores. And even leading up to that before all of this, even a couple of years ago, I remember seeing in San Diego, a 7-Eleven reported that this person just kept coming in shoplifting. The thieves would come in and steal something every single day. And it's a problem. And we're going to talk about that with our guest today. Today, we're speaking with a our prosecutor uh, in the Economic Crimes Division, Anna Wynn. Anna Wynn was hired as a deputy district attorney in the previous century. So she's been a prosecutor for across centuries. <laughs> she prosecuted various types of crimes for years until she found the coolest place to work with. And of course, that means bank investigators, financial crimes detectives, and anyone who knows the acronym ORCA and knows that that is not a whale. For the past 10 years, Anna has been assigned to the San Diego Regional Fraud Task Force, prosecuting cases from both local and federal law enforcement officers. Anna's caseload includes defendants committing identity theft, manufacturing counterfeit money, and embezzling more than $100,000. And to spice up her caseload, Anna also prosecutes rings of thieves who wrongly think that they could take whatever they want from retail stores without penalty. Anna Wynn, thank you for joining the podcast. Thank you so much for inviting me. Can you tell us a little bit about we hear in the news a lot, at least in California, that there's this Prop 47 and that was something passed a long time ago and that how that affects the shoplifting laws here in California. What is Prop 47? Well, Proposition 47 started out as something that uh, people would find at grocery stores and Walmart and other places to get put on the ballot. It was initially called the Reduced Penalties for Some Crimes initiative. And what it did was it did, and it does, reduce the penalties for some crimes. It was passed in 2014 by California voters, and I believe that's largely because it was um, advertised as a law that would save money, because people would not be in jail for so long, they would not be in prison for so long. Um, 
Uh, there were certain individual cases held out to show, wasn't this unfair to put this person in prison for so, so, so long, most of their life, when all they did was carry 45 pounds of meth across the border, things like that. And so it did have a widespread appeal, and it was passed by our voters. Since that time, we as prosecutors have had a lot of changes to laws that have had been a certain way for a long time and now are very different. First of all, almost all of our drug offenses were reduced to misdemeanors from felonies. So people who used to be punished um, as a felon for possessing certain amounts of, of illegal drugs, now across the board, those are misdemeanors. What happens when you change a crime, a punishment for a crime from a felony to a misdemeanor is that it's seen as a lesser crime. There's lesser consequences, obviously. In the case of drugs, that only led to more, a lot more drug use by people. We, now we have a tremendous homeless population. We have uh, the other crimes that go along with drug addiction, uh, a lot of theft. And those are not the organized retail crime theft. But the, those are just the thefts in general that you see because uh, drug use and theft, identity theft, credit card fraud, all those sorts of things go hand in hand because people who are addicted to drugs, they have to get their drugs every day. That's what addiction is. And so they will resort to stealing in order to support their habits. And that stealing can come in different forms, right? Like identity theft or shoplifting or um, however they could steal, right? That's right. And how did Prop 47 affect theft crimes, specifically the value of theft crimes? Well, one of the specifics of Prop 47, uh, the, the law, is that it decimated Penal Code Section 666. Now, Penal Code Section 666 in California was a longstanding law, which is called petty with a prior. So when you had a petty theft conviction, your next time having a petty theft conviction, you would have a a harder, harsher penalty. You would go to jail for longer. If that was what was going to happen to you, you'd be on probation longer. You would, of course, owe more money because you stole more, but but the, the penalty itself would be harsher. And uh, for subsequent thefts, again, 666 could be put on you the rest of your life. Every time you stole something more, you would get a harsher penalty. Well, now, now we don't have that. So now you have stolen something that's less than $950 in value from the store you get a citation. You're not booked into jail. You don't have a harsh penalty. It's a misdemeanor. And guess what? What happens to you the next time you're convicted of petty theft? Oh, exactly the same thing. What about the third time? What about the 12th time? They're all misdemeanors. There's no way to elevate these and to give a stronger consequence to people. Therefore, they are without consequence. And so it led to this uh, humongous increase in, in thieving from stores. I think also the the value, didn't it go up from, I think it was $400 before to nine, $950. So anything other, anything less than $950 that you steal from a store, I go in and I steal a $900 purse is a misdemeanor now. Is that right? Yes. Or an iPhone or um, those are some of our more common things, Beats headphones. They're still very expensive items, but they are under $950. So in theory, you can steal under $950 day after day after day. And of course, that would support your drug habit. So for these other thieves that are kind of the stuff that we're seeing in the news where they're, you know, doing these smash and grabs or like 80 people are attacking a specific store. What kind of charges can we bring against these types of thieves? Well, we do have um, 
The laws that I generally use with those sorts of things are is grand theft. I mean, because almost always they are stealing more than $950 worth of things. Sometimes they're stealing $11,000, you know, running into Ulta and grabbing all the perfume. That's $11,000, $25,000 in one pop. Yeah. But uh, I charge them with grand theft, which is a 47A, and it does have a, a penalty of up to three years in custody. That was not affected by 47. That is one law. One of the very few laws that survived Prop 47 and stayed as a felony. I charge them with conspiracy um, because that allows me to bring in um, all the different acts that they're doing and the different people. Sometimes the organized retail theft crews have two or three of the same people in this incident. And then over here, there's a new person with the other same other two. And there's, there's different participants in each one. So conspiracy can bring them all into the conspiracy. They can be charged with Estes robberies, Penal Code Section 211. They are taking the property through force or fear. Sometimes they'll uh, threaten the store clerks, like the store clerks will pull out their phone to start recording the person or take a picture of the person stealing. And a lot of times the, the thief will say, I'm going to beat you up, you know, put that away, MF, you know, all these sorts of threats. I'll come get you. Um, and they do actually head towards the cashiers or store associates. So those are elevated to robberies. We also charged Penal Code Section 463 looting during the pandemic because uh, that had a, a harsher penalty for someone who was stealing while the stores were closed for the pandemic. When when people end up stealing from these stores, what do the thieves do with them? I mean, I, I see this term called fencing. What, can you explain to the audience what fencing is? Yes, fencing is not an Olympic sport where you say on guard. <laughs> well, it is, but it's also. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> okay, it is. But it, but in this instance, that's not what it is at all. Offense is not an athlete. It's not a good person. Offense is a person who accepts the stolen property from uh, the thief out and steal directly from the stores. And in a lot of instances, the fence, well, the fence is higher up on the food chain, as we call our, our little crime syndicates. So they're the ones who are directing sometimes at the direction of somebody else, but oftentimes it stops with the fence. It's their idea. They, they're technically self-employed people who are employing other independent contractors to go out and steal from the stores. And some, in one of my cases, I had a store video of someone, a young man stealing in the store, put, putting things in a big bag and he was holding a phone. And on the phone was a picture, a picture of a, a female lady, you could see her as you like uh, blow up the video and it turned out to be she was the fence because later on we have a video of him giving the product to her in a shopping center parking lot. And so she was actually, he was actually showing her through FaceTime, you know, should I steal this? Is it, he was showing her the store as if she were mm. there so she could direct him what to steal. So those, those people collect the fence, collects all the stolen property. A lot of times they sell it at the swap meet. Swap meet. In Southern California, that is what happens. They also sell it online on OfferUp, Craigslist, those sorts of things. And they will advertise it as brand new. And they also, a lot of times, will have what's called a store in their home or their garage. And all the people in their neighborhood know, oh, you can go over to so-and-so's house and buy that. You know, do your Christmas shopping over there in her living room. And we've actually raided those places and seen they have cash registers. They have uh, all the product clearly marked. They have clothes on hangers everywhere all over the house. So those are the ways they um, make money from the stolen product. And obviously they make 100% profit, right? Because right. they've just stolen it straight from the store. So how are, are we uh, in the law enforcement community going about and catching these people? 
Wow, that's a really good question. Uh, how how we do it is in California. Two years ago, our legislature and our governor signed a, a new law, the Penal Code Section 490.4, which is organized retail theft crime law. And what it does, it, it only applies. It's not it's not the best law in my opinion. It, it only applies in certain situations, and and we haven't been able to make good use of it too too much based based on how it's written. But it did also have a companion law which gave us jurisdiction to prosecute in one county for things that happened in all other counties. So uh. you know if you have a crooks, usually the the crooks, the thieves are stealing from one certain store. And so they'll do that store up and down the I five corridor, just driving from county to county to county. And it's, Meaning course, like these bigger stores like Target or Target, Ulta or Home Depot, Ulta. Yes. So it's inefficient, of course, to prosecute them in every county when they're stealing basically from the same victim, just at different locations of the same store. So we were allowed to aggregate those all together into one case. The challenge is, of course, it's a new thing. And a lot of prosecutors are used to doing things always the same. And a lot of detectives, same thing. So what what, I, what I've been doing in, in my caseload um, is asking my detective, you know, will you please step up and collect the cases from the other counties, because I can prosecute these people in one big giant case. I could put 45, 50 felonies in one case if we, you know, for all the things that they've done, because a lot of times they have done up to 45 or 50 different thefts by the time wow. we can figure out who they are and identify them. And I can tell you that identification is difficult, especially during the pandemic when people wearing masks oh, yeah. and um, that being commonplace. But, but eventually, Eventually, we were able to identify one, sometimes by a tattoo, sometimes by a license plate, sometimes mm. by uh, their social media, sometimes, you know, there's various ways. Sometimes their mask falls down, but we do a lot of old fashioned work where we put out be on the lookout pictures and we send them up and down the state. We have organizations that work with us and a lot of probation officers. They know they're probationers. They, they know people they've known since they were juveniles and juvenile hall and this sort of thing. So we get sometimes we get one and then it's, it's a lot easier to figure out who the other six people are. Well, that's a lot of work for you, Anna, <laughs> especially and your team, um, especially when you're taking on all of these cases that may not otherwise be prosecuted or, or we don't know about. Are you getting business cooperation? Oh, my gosh. The businesses are beyond thrilled, beyond thrilled. And they make it so easy to prosecute. They they bring me spreadsheets that have every incident, every um, store clerk's name on there, their store reports, their police reports when they reported it, all the videos. I mean, they, they can't do enough for me. They bring it to me on a flash drive and they, they hear here's the whole entire thing. And it's beautifully organized and it's actually very easy to charge 50 counts. And it's, it's very easy to prosecute the cases based on their level of cooperation and the, and the evidence that they, that they seize and gather for me. It's just an interesting time with COVID and, you know, unemployment and the fact that, you know, businesses are trying to hire and having trouble in San Diego hiring workers that we're seeing this type of, of organized theft. It's really sad. It is sad. And that, that's one of the consequences of the theft is that the, the retailers, they, they, they aren't just losing money on the products going out the door. They lose the money on um, employee attrition because a lot of employees, they don't want to deal with that anymore. They, they, they get scared. They get terrified. And they, I mean, once this happens in a store, 
but it's also very demoralizing, especially, and I, I worry about the effect on young people because they're, young people are just starting out. A lot of them work in retail. And when they are praised for making sales incentives and meeting demands, you know, and, and, and doing a great job at work, and then they have to literally stand by and watch people come in and take the product and run past them. And they're not allowed to do anything about it. And they're not supposed to. And they have to just allow that to happen. That, that, that's, that's a very hard thing to, to process. And yeah. um, it does have an effect on people. Well, we appreciate all the hard work that you're doing. To, yeah, thanks. It's to, very rewarding um, work. It's a, it's a lot of paperwork, though. And I know a lot of DAs don't like paperwork uh, cases. What, how, how did you find your, your niche? Well, I, I began going to the ORCA meetings about 10 years ago. They asked me to come and speak. And the meetings are in a, in a local police agency and a lot of retail stores. There. There's usually about 50 to 60 people there. And, and what is ORCA for the, for the people okay. that think it's a whale? <laughs> it's the Organized Retail Crime Alliance oh, okay, gotcha. of retail people and police officers, law enforcement, deputy sheriffs. And I like I like to go and see what's going on. And um, I've just made a lot of good contacts there. And, and people have actually come up to me just personally and asked me, will you please take this case? This person is a problem in my store. You know, they and, and they we just build cases based on need and 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 communication, honestly. And it, when when you put up someone's picture at the Orca meeting and say this person came into Macy's, the Victoria's Secret guy will raise his hand and say she has sold you know sixty pair of panties from us yesterday. And then the Home <laughs> Depot person will say, hey, that's the car that her boyfriend drove in and took Milwaukee tools from us. And we build cases at the meetings literally every time, literally. Jeez. Yeah. I, I saw a survey from the National Retail Federation this year that said not only has organized retail crime increase over the past year, but 65% of them said that such operations had become more aggressive and more violent. Are you seeing that? I am seeing that. I am definitely seeing that. But but I will say this, that since I first started prosecuting these cases, it's become more commonplace that the stores are literally forbidding their clerks and their sales associates from pulling out their phones and taking a picture or or confronting in any way. So, so there is a lot of just backing off because of the threat of violence without it even happening. Which Jeez. means that they essentially just have to let it happen because they can't right. stop it. They have to, it's, they honestly, they, people get fired. There's the, the store loss prevention people are proud when their managers will try to block the door or whatever. They're, 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 they're happy, but they, they have to let them go. It's a store policy that you, you cannot do that. So even yeah. though your human instinct is to go protect your coworkers, if you're the manager or whatever you're, you're trying to do, whatever, you know, takes you over in the moment, you, you're going to get fired. Yeah. It just has zero tolerance for that. And so that's another consequence of, you know, that's all because of these thieves. <laughs> really, it's back on them that these other people lose their jobs. Mm. Wow. Well, we're really lucky to have you uh, on it and uh, to prosecute these individuals. I mean, this is an important topic. It, you know, it's not the the murders and the blood and guts that, you know, most most people might think of when they think of prosecution. But you're doing an amazing work. So th thank you for your service and uh, doing all the work that you do. Thank you much. I appreciate that so much. And we're not done yet. Oops. Each week we end the episode on a light note and look at the laws on the books. Three are real. One is fake. And you have oh. to guess which one is the fake. And this episode's theme is 
theft. So this should be right up your alley, Anna. <laughs> Anna's got this. Anna's got I know this. It. I appreciate the confidence. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here we go. Okay. A, in Florida, it's illegal to steal the manure from a commercially registered animal of the bovine class. B, in Delaware, it's illegal for a pawnbroker to take or receive as a pledge any artificial limb. C, in New Jersey, felony theft is set at $200 or greater, which is the lowest threshold for felony theft in the United States. And D, in Colville, Washington, the mayor is authorized to issue one reward in the amount of $150 to anyone who furnishes information that leads to the identification and conviction of a person who has stolen municipal property. Anna, since you are our guest, I'll ask you to go first. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's so hard. I think I think A is real because I think it is probably illegal to steal manure. So I'm gonna say A is good. B in Delaware, it's illegal to take an artificial limb. I'm gonna say that's probably a real law too, because an artificial limb was made for someone. It's a custom thing. And so you kind of would assume that that's stolen. So I'm I'm gonna say those are both real. So then we're down to New Jersey. Felony theft is set at 200 or greater. Oh, I hope that's true, but I think <laughs> it's probably not true. I don't think so. I think I think C is the fake one, and I think D that just sounds like something that might happen in Colville, well, Washington. They might have a mayor. <laughs> so I'm gonna go C being fake. Okay, C is the fake. Lori. Anna is the expert. And so <laughs> I'm going to agree with her on this one. I think C is the fake $200 for a felony theft is got to be, it's got to be higher even in New Jersey. And I think in Colville, Washington, a mayor probably is authorized to give $150 reward to somebody who steals municipal property. So I'm with Anna on this one. All right. Hey, girl well, power. Girl, girl power. power. Mm-hmm. All right. That means you all agree that in Colville, Washington, uh, the mayor is specifically authorized to issue a $150 reward for anyone who furnishes information that leads to the identification and conviction of a person who has stolen municipal property, pens, uh, staplers. If you take that home, you could turn in your coworker. Don't do it. Yep. <laughs> you all think this one is a law <laughs> on the books, and this one is a law on the books. It is oh, chapter 1.06 of the municipal code. And it basically just says $150. No more, no less. It was passed in 1989. And I don't think it's gone up for with inflation. But um, <laughs> shout out to Colville. I was looking up some laws there because there's some fans in there that is downloading our podcast. So I wanted to include them. Um, hey, welcome, Colville. Yeah. And let's see. Uh, let's go to B in Delaware. You all agree it's illegal for a pawnbroker to take or receive as a pledge any artificial limb, meaning. I can't just go in there and, and pawn my artificial limb. You all think this is a law on the books, and this one is a law on the books. Title 24, okay. Chapter 23, Section 2307, No Pawn Broker, subject to this chapter, shall take or receive as a pledge or pawn any artificial limb or wheelchair. That's a good policy, oh. right? I yeah, think so. I'm assuming, I'm assuming someone tried to do that. There wasn't a law on the books, and then they put that on the Probably. books. Probably. Yeah. Yep. My bet. That means, let's see, you all think C in New Jersey, felony theft is set at $200 or greater, which is the lowest threshold for felony theft in the United States. You all think this is not a law on the books. And this one is 
a law on the books. Oh, it is oh actually true. Oh my gosh. It is, it has been okay. unchanged since the first when it when it was first enacted in 1978. It is section 2C20-11C3. Shoplifting constitutes a crime of the fourth degree if the full retail value of the merchandise is $200 but does not exceed $500. Basically, the fourth degree is the lowest threshold for a felony. Just a, a, a stat for, for you all is Alaska is the only state that automatically adjusts for inflation. I don't know if you knew that. So that all means an A in Florida is the the fake one because it is BS. It is involving <laughs> BS. That was my little subtle clue for everyone. It is perfectly, it is not a law in the books to uh, steal the manure. I saw it said, you know, you can't steal a commercially registered animal of the bovine class, but nothing specific about the manure. So, oh man. That's okay. That was a close one. That was a hard one. You know, all the New Jersey thieves are moving out to California after this podcast. So. I know. Yeah, for sure. From 200 <laughs> to 950. Well, uh, Anna right. Wynn, thank you so much for joining the podcast and coming in here and, and telling our audience about organized retail theft. Appreciate it. You thank you welcome. so much, Anna. Thank, thank you. you, Anna. And Lori, thank you as always. Always a pleasure, Jorge. Thank you so much. All right. And until next time, this is the Crime News Insider Podcast. are solely of the speakers and do not reflect the views of the Deputy DA's Association nor the District Attorney. Questions and comments can be submitted through our website at sddaa.net. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at San Diego DDAs. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. Donald.